So let's see, if we're gonna have a family get-together, I better get some groceries here. Let's see. All right, yeah, these look good. Do they have, all right, potatoes, vegetable oil, canola. Yeah, that'll work, that's, okay, good. They, everybody can eat that, okay, excellent. Let's see. Ah, oh, cheese its are one of my favorite. Wait, cheese, dairy, can't have that. So let's put that back here. Um, let's see, all right. Um, ooh, uh, pasta, gluten-free, okay, we can do that. All right, very good. Um, ooh, yeah, let's see. Perfectly seasoned, harmoniously, gluten-free and dairy-free. Perfect, okay, very good, all right, we'll put that there. All right, oh, I know, Fadi, that's the brand, there's no what, right? I mean, goodness, it's so small, I need like a magnifying glass. Um, no garlic or onion, okay, perfect, okay, that'll work. Oh, these look fun, Valentine's Day, wonder. Wow, this is really small. Okay, all right. May contain peanut milk. <sighs> okay, so no, that's a no. Okay, all right, here we go. Uh, oh, these are some goodies. Uh, let's see, free, nut free, dairy free, gluten free. All right, perfect. Those and, ah, all right, our go-to pancake mix. Excellent. When we have a family gathering, for my family now, this is my process. Um, because we have become a family of food allergies and um, food sensitivities. Like when we have like a family gathering, often we have to avoid beef, pork, dairy, gluten, onion, garlic, a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Like the things that, that we have to avoid when it comes to planning. And um, you know, it, I have to pay a lot more attention now when we buy things, right? And sometimes you can say things clear, clearly on there, but other times you really have to like look closely there and pay attention. And for my family members who, who are having these allergies and sensitivities, I know they have to pay so much more attention to what they eat now. And it's more work, but I tell you, it's, it's made such a difference for them. You know, things they were just able to live, like, they feel so much better. They're able to live so much better. It's been a much more avoiding certain things and then eating foods that are better for them has just made all the difference. And they will tell you it's totally worth it. And sometimes I feel bad for, like, you really, you can't eat cheese anymore. And it's like, you know what, honestly, it was making me feel so bad. I really don't even want it. Or chocolate. Actually, some of the families got to, can't eat chocolate anymore. Do you feel, nope, don't miss it. It's interesting how that changes. And while I don't have those food sensitivities, it actually it's changed my perspective too. I've become more aware of others who maybe would regularly go to events and then end up missing out because, well, there's nothing there for them. You know, and if you don't have them, if you don't have these sensitivities, often you don't pay attention to them. Um, and it wasn't until people in my family started having them that I started to do it. Like last summer when we had the movie night here, we had movie theater style popcorn and I went to spray movie theater style butter on them and I went, what if somebody here has a dairy allergy? And so then I, we scooped some bags, set them aside with some salt and then sprayed the rest with butter. And I would have never thought about it until I was tuned into it. So having my attention be given there has, has really changed the way uh, 
the way I see other people and I know it's changed others and I, it's become, it's a much better thing. Now, why am I sharing all this with you? Well, I'm sharing it first of all because Jesus is going to use a food picture today in our lesson. But also, because of the fact that paying attention in this way, it may be more work, but it's completely worth it. And I want to have you have that in your mind as we move forward in our series this morning. Where we think about how Jesus shines a light into our darkness. That's been the big picture of Epiphany. where We celebrate how this light breaks through into our darkness. And in this season, we've been seeing these aha moments, the way God shines a light into our minds, into our hearts to help us see him and see what it means for our lives. And today, Jesus is going to call us, call us to think a bit more about what's going on here in our minds and in our hearts and what's impacting us in our world. And it's going to be a great, great call. Not necessarily an easy call, but a great call for us. Jesus is calling for your attention. The lesson we have, it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 5 to 12. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take breath. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, with our lesson today, we're at a point where Jesus has become very popular in his ministry. He's been teaching for a while now. People, these big crowds have been flocking to him. He has been healing many people. A lot of amazing stuff has been happening. But also as his popularity has grown, it's become more and more apparent that there are people who are not receptive to his message. And so you have that going on too. You have this interesting combination where people are curious. They want to see healings. They want to hear what he has to say because his teaching is different than other teachers they've heard. He teaches with this authority. But then some of those teachings are also rubbing some people the wrong way, and so there's some resistance that's going on as well. As we get to the more immediate context for our our message today, we get another example of where there are so many people following Jesus, or listening to Jesus, I should say, where you have this great crowd of people, 4,000 men plus women and children. So, a lot of people. And they'd been with Jesus three days. Jesus is concerned about them. And so he tells his disciples to feed them. They're like, we don't have resources for that. And Jesus is like, yeah, you do. Bring them to me. Because when you bring your resources to me, I can make them enough. And so they bring the seven loaves and a few fish to Jesus, and Jesus feeds the 4,000 plus. And this is not the first time Jesus has done an incredible miracle like this. There was another time not too long before where he fed 5,000 plus. But then something really striking happens. And when we were reading our background lesson, I don't know if you just caught the striking transition. So Jesus feeds these 5,000 plus, right? And then they go and they get in a boat. And then we're told right away, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. 
What? The man just fed 4,000 plus people. Now, to their credit, Jesus, after feeding the 4,000 plus people, got in a boat and went across, went across the lake. And so they may have and maybe even likely were not there to eat that bread from that specific instance. By the, but by this point in Jesus' ministry, the reason why so many people are falling, the reason why these Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious leaders, were even paying attention to Jesus is because he was famous for doing tons of miracles. And it's just striking in the narrative where Jesus feeds 4,000 plus people, and then the next thing is, give us a sign from heaven. What kind of sign are you looking for? There's something off going on here. And so Jesus ends up saying a wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he's referring then back to that event in the Old Testament, which we read in our background lesson where Jonah was in that belly of that great fish for three nights. Looks like he was dead, and yet God brings him back from that place of looking like he was dead in order to go and then to, to, to proclaim a message of repentance leading to forgiveness to the city of Nineveh. Jesus, of course, is going to die, be in that tomb, and on the third day is going to rise again. Jesus won't just look dead. He will fully be dead, but then come back from the dead to bring a message that is really a turning point. Either people will be hardened against God or receive new life from God. And it's here in this section where you see people who are having some hardened hearts against God and where Jesus is calling this out. It's here when we get to this section where Jesus is calling for your attention, please. So in our lesson, it begins that when they went across the lake, it gives us this little tidbit. The disciples forgot to take bread, which I still just find kind of comical, right? Jesus had just fed 4,000 plus people with bread. They gathered up seven basketfuls of bread and somehow they forgot to bring bread. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? I don't know. You know, it's just, this is a strange thing. Some, I love little details like this sometimes because sometimes, I don't know, you look at like, if you're like me, sometimes it's like, gosh, how could I forget that again? Friday when we went to Ruthie and I went to Aldi. Ruthie, do not let me forget the reusable grocery bags. Says Aldi doesn't have them. It's like the fourth time in a row. Like, what? <laughs> no, we get to Aldi. Like, find me an empty cardboard box so we can put them in there because we forgot the bags every time. I don't, you know. I've, I've, so I just relate to the disciples here. Somehow they forgot the bread. Well, then Jesus, he goes on to say, "Be careful. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees." and Sadducees. So he's using this image of yeast, you know, as you work it in dough and it can make things, it goes in and it's the subtle thing, right? But it goes and it spreads throughout and makes things expand. Like yeast is a big deal when it comes to baking. You don't necessarily see it, it can be really subtle, but it can grow in this way. And he says, be careful for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious leaders of the day. And the picture, the words he uses, they're kind of interesting pictures. The one where it says, be careful, it literally means to look at. So like, take a close look at something. So that's why I have this, this picture here of like a, like a binoculars where you can see it up close. Take a close look at what's going on there. 
And then have this picture here of Jesus like arriving in a boat because the be on your guard, again, it's an interesting word picture and I think if we use it in a different context, it'll actually help us better understand it. In a different context, this word is used to describe arriving somewhere or like being at hand, like being, you know, like you arriving, being at hand at, at, at a place. So then take this and use this in our context, in our, in our lesson. It's like, like be, be at hand for this or be present or maybe, to use the word from our theme, pay attention. Give your attention to this. Look at it closely. Give your attention to this thing that is, that you don't really see it too much, but it, has, it can spread throughout. It can have a big impact that comes from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, because we've already read the lesson through, we already have the insight that Jesus is not talking about actual yeast for bread here. However, Jesus' di disciples are a little clueless to that at this point. And so as Jesus is saying, your attention, please, to the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they discussed this among themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. They're stressing out. They're thinking, Jesus says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He doesn't want us to try to get the bread from the Pharisees and the Sadducees, apparently. I don't, these guys are stressed because they didn't bring any bread, because they forgot. Now, as they're stressing because they didn't bring any bread, Jesus is aware of their discussion. He says, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? This is a scene, by the way, as I more of I watch The Chosen, and they do a great job of presenting the humanity of Jesus alongside the divinity of Jesus, um, that he's both true God and true man, that this actually kind of cracks me up now because I can just see Jesus just shaking his head in just disbelief, right? Like, don't you, do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? This guy who just fed 5,000 plus, who has fed 4,000 plus from basically nothing, is not worried about a lack of bread. Like, how can you not get that? You know, just, <sighs> like, what's going on with you guys? You know, it's almost comical. And I say almost because, well, maybe there is a level of comedy to it. The reality is it, it goes deeper, that there's something else going on. Jesus asks a very important question. How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? How is it that they're not getting it? Jesus is calling their attention to What's going on in your minds and your hearts that you're not getting this? So let's give our attention to that a bit as well. If you're a note taker, this is the time to get your worship folder out. Get a pencil from the chair in front of you. I've done a little, uh, this is a, a magnifying glass, by the way. You know how some of these ingredients are so tiny you can hardly see them, you know? Sometimes we got to look real close. And we want to think about what we see here in the disciples. The disciples and slash us, because the disciples will help us understand us, too, and maybe see this in ourselves. The disciples in this scene, when Jesus says, watch out for the 
yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees are immediately fixed on what? Oh, we messed up. Man, we messed up. We forgot the bread. That's immediately where their mind goes, is where they've made a mistake and how they've wrecked things and now they're in a problem situation. They have messed up. The situation is messed up. And apparently, they had sort of forgot what he's done prior to this. You know, Jesus is like, don't you remember about the 5,000 people and the 4,000 people? Like, did you forget about that? Apparently, they had forgotten, or at least forgotten what it means for now, for today. Now, I want you to pay attention to these two things and consider, does any of this sound familiar. When you run into a challenge in your life or when you go about your day, does your mind again and again go to, I messed it up again. I made a mess of it. You know, I made this mistake. I made that mistake. Uh, I screwed this up. You know, I told myself, I was going to do better in 2024. Here we are towards the end of January. You know, I was going to read the Bible every day. Mess that schedule up maybe. I was going to do the eat, I was going to eat healthier and do that. Mess that up apparently. I was going to do better with that coworker that really annoys me. Mess that up. I was going to do better with whatever, right? And how quickly, ah, life is a challenge. It's because I messed up. Or when you look at your life, Something I see this often when I, I, I do, you know, you know I spend so much time with our, our youth and our teens, and I just love it so much. And one of the things I've seen as a repeated theme when people are getting to the end of high school, early college, is a major fear of what if I mess up my life? Like, what if I don't figure out the right career path? What if I go the wrong direction? What if I choose the wrong major? What if I spend a whole lot of money in college and get in too much debt and can never pay it off? What if I, you know, don't find a good spouse someday? What if I do get married and have a kid and then I mess my kid up? Like, what if I, you know, those are, those are the things that people are like, so it's, there it's not, oh, I messed up. It's like, what if I do? What if I mess it all up? There's also sometimes there's this, this focus that we can have in just how messed up our situation can seem like, you know what, we just live in such a messed up world. This is one of those things that actually kind of grinds me a bit, is how quickly we can get caught up. And you know, the world's just such a mess today. The world's been a mess for a long time. You know, Solomon says, there's nothing new under the sun. And people will talk about, you know, a lot of churches are shrinking and our world's getting less Christian and whatnot. Is our world any less Christian than it was when the Apostle Paul went throughout the Roman Empire and proclaimed the gospel in the New Testament era? Or the early church when it was literally illegal for churches to meet? I don't think so. You know, but we just, oh, it's such a mess. And it can be really short-sighted, too, because of the fact that you realize there's other parts of the world, like Asia and Africa, where the gospel is booming. Maybe not here in the same way, but sometimes we can just, oh, the world's so bad today. And is it because sometimes we forgot what he's done? Or if we, we forget what it means for now. Like, 
We can forget, you know, God has come through in so many different ways in my life, and yet in this moment, we're caught up in how I've messed up. And we can forget that, what has he done in the past? Look how he's come through. You know, or can we forget what we hear about in, our, in, in, in God's word about what he's done? Can we forget what that means for today? Do we sometimes forget that the, that the Jesus we worship today is the same Jesus who fed 4,000 that day? Like the same Jesus that we worship today, that same Jesus is the Jesus who walked on this earth, who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who rose from the dead himself. We are not worshiping a different Jesus or a less Jesus. He may not physically or not be visibly right in front of us that same way. But we worship the same Jesus that was talking to those disciples that very day. Sometimes have we forgotten and do we forget what it means for today? So Jesus here would call for your attention, please. What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your heart? And is it actually symptomatic that there might be some ingredients in your thinking that are problematic? Because after asking them this, Jesus goes on and says again, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against, light bulb, aha, the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What were those teachings? We're not going to go through them in great, great detail, but we're going to summarize them just a bit here. First of all, thinking about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a religious, but also there's political interactions here with each of these groups, religious political group that was really focused on keeping the details of the law, of God's law. And sometimes, I would actually say, I think sometimes they get a worse rap than they deserve. Um, and, and that'll be important in just a moment. But I think they get a bit of a worse rap than they deserve because sometimes it's like, oh, you know, they were just about works, works, and works. Well, yes, but it's because they looked at how God's people had turned away from his law in the past and how that messed things up, right? And they're like, oh, we, how we've messed up. So we need to not mess up again. We need to fix it. We need to do better. Look at how the people have turned away from the law. You know what we need to do? We need to follow the law. Then it'll work out. And so a lot of it was really kind of starting from, okay, we've messed up. We need to do better. And that in and of itself, like, well, we want things to be better, you know? Like, that's something... That's important for us because it may not be blatant like works righteous where we just want to feel proud of ourselves. Maybe we're just saying, I messed up, I want to do better. That's something that the Pharisees are like, okay, this is, this is the way. I think we, we need to focus on these laws. This is how we're going to do it. The Sadducees were, were kind of a, a, a different group. They actually didn't even teach a resurrection from the dead. They were much more about, let's embrace, let's just, or maybe not embrace, Maybe that's be that's settle for the world as it is. They were much more interactive with Rome and the different leaders and just like, okay, let's make the best of it as it is now. And they weren't really looking so much for things to get better. They were just looking for so we let's do right now. When you look at them, and you can add to your notes PNS, Pharisees and Sadducees, there became a focus on what we need to do. That's more from the Pharisees, or at least what we think we need to do. And when your focus is on what we need to do, it's easy to lose sight on what God has done. 
And if you focus on what we need to do, then when we don't do what we think we need to do, then it's like, oh, we messed up again. You see how that shift can happen? Right? If the focus is too much on what we think we need to do, then we become fixed on how we've messed up or how, how we might mess it up. And when you get too much embracing the world as it is, or settling really might be a better word, better word than embracing the world as it is, you can lose sight on what Jesus has done and what he can do again and what he will do again. Sometimes we can get, maybe there's this thought, like, okay, we need to focus on what we need to do. Or, you know what, the world's just this mess and we just got to settle for it. And we can have those things, kind of that yeast growing inside of us, and it can affect what we do. And our focus on being messed up or forgetting what he's done can be symptomatic of these other things going on inside of us. You know, when we pay attention to that and realize that this can be going on inside of us, that's when we can start to weed out the things that are actually going to not make us feel great. That's when we can weed out those things and we can bring those things before God and we can lay them before the cross of Jesus and then we can look to God, the Holy Spirit, to open our eyes and to pay attention, not just to what confuses us and gets us off, but now especially pay attention to who Jesus actually is and what is actually happening. We want to pay attention to where our mind can get off so we can lay that before the cross, and then we want to shift our attention to what God really wants us to see. See that in Jesus, at this point in his ministry, what had those disciples been seeing? That there was someone walking among them that taught different than anybody else. He wasn't like a religious teacher who was just giving commentary on the law. He spoke as someone who had authority over it. He was the source of God's truth. That there was someone who had the power to bring healing. There was someone who was able to provide because he is the source of life. There was someone who was there, who was providing, giving life, who was teaching, but also teaching patiently, right? Seeking his disciples out, pointing out things there, not to come down hard on them, but to direct them to himself. Here they have someone who, yes, some people would reject and would stand against him, and yet he would never cease to be faithful. He would go all the way to a cross, and just like Jonah would look like he was dead and then come back, Jesus would, well, not just like Jonah, even more than Jonah, he would actually die, but then come back. See that Jesus is the originator, the creator, the author, the provider, the faithful one, who came to die for your sins and mine, all those ways that we have messed up and fallen short. He's defeated those. He's emptied them of their power. He's taken your sin and mine, your guilt and mine, our shame on himself, died for it, took the justice for it, and then rose again to give victory over it. Through faith in Jesus, it's not about now how well have I messed up or not messed up or what I got to deal with. Th simply through faith in Jesus, you're right with God, loved by God. You have life with and from God. And you have victory over whatever it is that you're in, victory for eternity. You have that. See that. In Jesus, I'm going to write Jesus in the line. This is the magnifying glass when you look at Jesus. 
When you look at Jesus, you see the source, the provider for what you need. That he is the one who created life, he is the one who sustains life, and he's the one who gives you life. And so when you see Jesus and the fact that he's the source, you don't have to get caught up with, oh, I messed up. You just look back to the source. You look at Jesus, who do you see? You see the author of life. The one who knows how it works, who knows how it's set right, the one who's writing the story, and it's not about you and focusing on what you think you need to do. You see the author in Jesus. In Jesus, you see the faithful one. But when people don't understand him, even when people get it all wrong, he is still as faithful. He was so faithful that he went to the cross for your sins and mine. And because he went to that cross and died for us and rose again, he's also the redeemer. All those ways we've messed up, he redeems us. He buys us back to God. He works now all things for our good. He gives victory. Even, it may not be the victory that we're hoping for in this moment, but at some point, in God's timing, in God's way, it may be when we open up our eyes and see Jesus in paradise or when Jesus returns and sets everything right. There will be redemption. We will see victory. He is the victor. This is all right in front of us when we look at Jesus. Which is why we want to we pay attention to the things that can go on in our minds that can get us to where we forget and not see him so that we can lay those things before Jesus and see who he is and see what it means. It's definitely more work to double check the ingredients on things, but I don't mind doing it at all because I know the difference it makes. It can be more work to reflect on what's going on in my mind, what's going on in my heart, but it, it's worth it. It's worth it to see where those things have been going off to then be able to bring those to the cross and then to be able to pay attention to who Jesus is. Pay attention to what God has done in your life. Pay attention to how God is working in this world. And even more importantly, pay attention to things like his word that we just read today where you see Jesus. Pay attention to the fact that you were baptized into Christ and you are connected to him. You died and rose again with him through this baptism. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to the fact that within this bread and wine today, there is a much deeper ingredient, the actual body and blood of Christ, where you are connected to him, assured that you are forgiven and made right with him, and you are connected to the rest of the body of Christ. Pay attention to those things, because when you see Jesus and see him as, it is, as he is, it makes all the difference in the world for life today and for life eternity. Jesus is calling for your attention, please.